Section 16 of the Counter-Reformation by Adolphus Ward. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 4. The Counter-Reformation at its Height, Part 4. Among the designs elaborated at Rome, in the Jesuit colleges, and in the family council of the Guises, had been the intrigue of which Esme Stuart, Count d'Aubigny, whom James VI created Earl of Lennox, was the central figure. Its object was to restore French influence and thus gradually to re-establish a Catholic ascendancy in Scotland, to be followed by the association of the liberated Mary with her son and its government, and perhaps by a marriage between Lennox and Arabella Stuart, always a possible claimant for the English throne. The plan was, however, misliked by Philip II, and extinguished by the raid of Ruthven, 1582, which had at its back a solid popular resistance. Very different, of course, was the state of religious feeling in Ireland, where a long series of popular insurrections, Ulster, 1565, Munster, 1569, Connaught, 1577, had exposed the hollowness of Elizabeth's Protestant establishment. But though the eyes of the Irish had long turned to Spain, Philip hesitated about taking any measures tending to sever the connection between England and Ireland. Nor was it till 1579 that the outrages of Drake effectively supplemented the arguments urged upon the king two years before by Nicholas Sanders. After Sanders and his companions had landed in Kerry and the insurrection of Desmond had broken out, Philip connived at the dispatch of a slight reinforcement from Spain, 1580, but only with the result of causing the massacre of Smerwick. In Tyrone's insurrection, Spain cooperated late and ineffectively, 1602. Thus, the Counter-Reformation cannot be said to have availed itself to much purpose of the vantage ground offered to it by the loyalty of the Irish people to the Church of Rome. In one of the Scandinavian kingdoms, an attempt was made within this period to bring about a reaction towards Rome, but under conditions almost prohibitory of permanent success. Gustavus Vasa, 1523-60, the liberator of Sweden, had at Vesteros in 1529 completely transferred to himself the supreme authority in matters ecclesiastical. The episcopal system came to a virtual and the monasteries to an absolute end. The nobility was largely gained for the Reformation by being allowed a share in the spoils, and the people's assent was won over rather than forced, for in the reign of Gustavus I, which counts so many political victims, the penalty of death was never undergone for the sake of religion. But under John III, 1569-92, a reaction was attempted. John had overthrown his elder brother, the unhappy Eric XIV, in alliance with his younger brother Charles, whose authority, though he had formally renounced his claim to a share of the throne, more or less overshadowed it till he actually seated himself there. While Charles steadily professed his adherence to the national church as founded by their father upon the Bible, the attitude of John towards the religious question contributed materially to endanger his tenure of the throne. Possessed of some theological learning, 
John at first showed a desire to unite the contending religions on the basis of the tenets and usages of the primitive church, and of the concessions such as those contained in the Augsburg interim, which had been already rejected by Sweden in 1549. But the result was that while the nation remained unmoved, the king himself, largely influenced by his beloved consort Catherine, a daughter of Sigismund I of Poland, drifted nearer and nearer to Rome. As early as 1572, Cardinal Hosius was full of his praises, and in 1576 he commissioned two Jesuits, under the guise of Lutheran preachers, to work upon Swedish opinion. Hereupon the Counter-Reformation began, favoured by King John, but in so uncertain a fashion as to disquiet Pope Gregory XIII, who disapproved of the torturous proceedings of the Jesuits, and called upon the king openly to profess the Catholic faith. He preferred, however, to promulgate his Liturgy or Red Book, 1576, which was based upon the Missal approved at Trent, and edited by the Jesuits, with a view to preparing the complete resumption of the Mass. At the Diet of 1577, the most violent of the recalcitrants having been removed, both clergy and lay estates, with few exceptions, gave in the required adhesion. But the king's special envoy, Pontus de la Gardi, failed to obtain Gregory XIII's assent to the policy of gradual conversion, accompanied by interimistic concessions, the marriage of priests and the communion in both kinds for the laity, and by conformity on the part of the king to heretical worship, and the Jesuit Posevino was sent to Sweden to urge a more decided course. Whether or not he actually received John into the Church of Rome at Vastena in 1578, the Counter-Reformation now progressed with much greater openness. Luther's catechism was banished from the schools, the Bishop of Linchoping was publicly divested of the insignia of his office for calling the Pope Antichrist, the archiepiscopate was kept vacant for four years, and while Jesuits continued to preach with so much audacity as to incur reprimands from the Council of State, a number of Swedish youths were sent abroad to be trained in the faith of Rome. But before long the king's zeal began to cool. He had been disappointed in the political expectations he had founded on the influence of Rome, especially in the matter of the peace between Russia and Poland, concluded under the mediation of Posevino in 1582, and the death of Queen Catherine in 1583 completed the estrangement. Soon the Jesuits were expelled the realm, and all converts to Rome were threatened with banishment. When John's heir, Sigismund, was elected King of Poland in 1587, his father exhorted him not to bind himself in obedience to the Pope. John himself, after indulging in the fleeting project of union with the Greek Church, clung to the compromise of his red book. But now his liturgy met with widespread resistance. Clergymen who shrank from it were deposed, imprisoned, or banished, and more turbulent opponents paid the penalty of their lives. While the king embittered the conflict by personal violence, his brother, Duke Charles, openly stood forth as the adversary of his innovations. In 1592, King John died, sick at heart of the results of his futile endeavor to reconcile extremes by his royal fiat. 
On his death, Lutheranism was reintroduced and a kind of covenant for its maintenance adopted by a mixed clerical and lay assembly at Uppsala, 1593. Nor were its results permanently affected by the coronation visit, 1593-4, of the Catholic King Sigismund, accompanied by the papal legate Malaspina. The struggle between Sigismund and his uncle Charles, which followed, forms part of the European religious conflict. Charles IX, as from 1604 he formally consented to be called, had before this maintained a diplomatic intercourse with Elizabeth and Henry IV, and in 1608 sought an alliance with the United Provinces. His attempt to establish Swedish Protestantism on a broader basis than that of the Augsburg Confession was defeated by the decree of the Uppsala Assembly of 1607. No attempt at a Catholic reaction followed upon the establishment of the Reformation in Denmark by Christian III in 1536, and both in his reign and in that of his successor, Frederick II, 1559-88, Danish Protestantism grew typically intolerant. In 1554, the year after John Alasco and a large number of other fugitives from the Marian persecutions had been refused shelter at Copenhagen, Christian III prescribed that all strangers should satisfy the authorities on the subject of their faith before being allowed to settle in Denmark, and in 1559, Frederick II promulgated a confession of faith which was to serve as a uniform test on such occasions. It had been drawn up at the suggestion of Jacob Angrie, a rigid Lutheran theologian, recommended to Frederick by his brother-in-law, the elector Augustus of Saxony. Yet the celebrated Formula Concordiae, by which the latter sought to extinguish all Protestant disunion, King Frederick threw into the fire. Beyond a doubt, the variations of Protestantism which both these princes desired to reduce or to remove are to be reckoned among the causes which contributed to the progress of the Counter-Reformation. The Catholic reaction of the 16th century benefited by the disunion produced among the Protestants through variety of dogma, just as it profited by the scandals of the Reformation, the divorce of Henry VIII, the bigamy of Philip of Hesse, and by the greed of church lands patent in many of the princes who adopted it. With regard, however, to the variations of Protestantism, their illustrious historian, Bossuet, assuredly vindicates their right of existence when he traces them to their real source. Luther, by insisting on the doctrine of the universal priesthood of Christian believers, laid the axe at the root of the mighty growth which had for centuries overshadowed the religious life of the nations. Henceforth, accordingly, theologians of every Protestant sect emulously strove to find a generally acceptable definition of the visible church. Neither, however, could the Catholic definition according to which the church has always professed the same truth through all its members any longer be upheld without a great variety of explanations and interpretations, by no means always obviously consistent with one another. Still, even before the Council of Trent had promulgated its dogmatic decrees, it was on the Protestant side that the variations of doctrine had been most striking, most frequent, and most perplexing to pious souls. The very Augsburg Confession, 1530, while in a sense conceived in a spirit of conciliation towards Rome, 
marked with perfect distinctness the divergence between the doctrinal position of the Lutherans and that of the Zwinglians, and led, as if designedly, to the Confessio Tetrapolitana, which in its turn defined the Zwinglian standpoint with unprecedented plainness, 1531. Bux's surrender on the cardinal subject of the Eucharist and the Wittenberg Concordia, 1536, was not ratified by more than a section of the Zwinglian churches. Calvin, who about this time began the work of his life, exerted himself at Ratisbon in 1541 to keep Melanchthon firm against concession to Rome. But the schism remained unhealed, and two years before his death, Luther did his utmost to render it permanent, by reasserting in their harshest form his views on the Eucharistic questions, 1544. Luther's death itself encouraged the tendency to disunion with which the application to religious matters of the principle of territorial sovereignty so completely fell in. Even among the Protestant princes and cities of the Augsburg Confession, each claimed the right of determining the precise nature of their subject's creed, after causing it to be defined by the court or city preacher, or by the divinity faculty in the local university. In short, the principle cuius est regio, eius est religio, was asserted with perfect frankness. As between the Lutherans and Calvinists, the fact that the religious peace of Augsburg included the Lutherans alone created an unprecedented bitterness, while their political interests began to diverge as widely as their confessional tenets. Hence a desire on both sides to find the clearest formal expression for existing dogmatic differences an eagerness quite in harmony with the spirit of the contemporary Inquisition in Spain and Italy, to purge each territorial or local church from elements regarded as strange or intrusive, and a persecution at last too frequently carried on for its own sake. End of section 16